This morning we're reading for the book of Acts, beginning in chapter 4, verse 23. After they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard it, they raised their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and everything in them, it is you who said by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples imagine vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers have gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be God. So let me remind you of the situation into which we step when we begin reading this story. We've been following this story that Luke tells us from the beginning of Acts. First, how the disciples were gathered together in Jerusalem, told to wait by the risen Christ for the promise of the Father, the coming of the Holy Spirit. They do just that. In chapter 2, we're told of how they are living together, holding things in common, devoting themselves to prayer and fellowship and worship, going to the temple to pray, eating together and supporting one another. And then there's this story in chapter 2 of this coming of a mighty wind through a house where they are gathered we talked about it last week as the birthday of the church this coming of the holy spirit with a loud sound and a sense of presence of god they talked about it in terms of an image of tongues of fire lighting on each and every one who was gathered there and then they move out into the streets now with great boldness and peter tells any who will listen this is a fulfillment of prophecy. This is the work of God coming down through this Jesus of Nazareth who has been raised from the dead. Some people respond with great faith, but not everyone is so excited. The story we began to read today happens now weeks later in Jerusalem. Jesus is gone from the headlines. No one talking about this fellow who had entered the city with such fanfare and with an entourage. Oh, no. The authorities have silenced that Jesus movement. They have arrested that fellow and put him to death. But now this Peter, this fisherman from up north that no one has heard of or knows, is beginning to speak like a prophet, telling people that this God they knew, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is in fact still at work right in their midst through this Jesus whom they have crucified he proclaims this fellow Jesus has been raised from the dead. Then the story before where we read this morning about Peter and John. They're on their way to the temple to pray. There's a lame guy there. 
They stop to help him. He's healed. People begin to think Peter is somebody special. He says, oh no, it's the power of God at work while he's trying to explain what he believes God is doing through them, through Jesus and those who follow him. The temple authorities come and arrest both Peter and John and put them in jail. Some amazing things happen while they are in jail. Finally, they are released. We began to read the story today after they were released. Acts is trying to tell us, and Peter is proclaiming this, it was the power of God at work that they were witnessing. That if they had eyes to see, they would see that God is alive and at work in their midst. But they get arrested for proclaiming such a thing. The Sadducees, who are part of the temple authorities, don't even believe in a resurrection, so what they're talking about can't be true. But the others are annoyed because they thought they had put this whole Jesus movement thing to rest. They thought they had stopped all the talk about resurrection. And now these fellows are beginning to proclaim that God has done something extraordinary through this Jesus of Nazareth. We find this theme that runs throughout the book of Acts, that God's power is present and palpable, that God's power can work through you and me, just like these early disciples, for good in the world, for healing and hope and help. What I've been suggesting is that these early disciples were ordinary people, through which God does some extraordinary work. We talked about several of them last week, not only Peter and John, but Philip, Ananias, and Dorcas. We discussed how they didn't all have the same gifts. They didn't all have the same personality. Peter spoke boldly to large crowds. John hardly ever speaks, but he writes. Philip talked to a person just one-on-one. Dorcas served through her charity and acts of goodwill and kindness to others. God is at work in all of their lives, the book of Acts is proclaiming, even though they don't act all the same or have the same personality. When we pick up the story today, Peter and John are the lead characters again. They've been released from prison The text tells us the first thing they do is go to find those group of believers, their friends who are followers of Christ and believers in the resurrection. And when they're doing Bible study, they go all the way back in the Hebrew Scriptures and pick up the character of King David to proclaim that God works through believers, even in times of trouble, even in times like they are living through where they're running into obstacles and people trying to silence them for the proclamation they're making. You hear this in verse 29. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus So that is their request, is that God would come and empower them. And then Luke reports in verse 31, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. 
You hear this throughout this book of Acts, these acts of the apostles, or what I'm suggesting are acts of everyday Christians, that with the power of God, we are gifted and empowered to share the love of God with others in our lives. Reminded me of a story I had read years ago, but I really loved and ran across recently. It tells about a miner that's caught up in the gold rush in California in the 1800s. A young man from England is seeking his fortune. He's out there prospecting, and sure enough, he strikes it rich. He's able to accumulate bags and bags of gold. Finally, he decides he's collected enough wealth that he can go back to his home country. He starts the long journey back across our continent and ends up in New Orleans. He's waiting on a ship to embark to take him back to England. As he wanders around town, one day he sees a crowd gathering together. He walks over to the crowd to see what's happening. Just as he gets close enough to hear something, he hears a man yelled, Sold! And he gets up on his tiptoes and he can see over the crowd a black man being led off a platform on a rope. In England, slavery had been banned years before. He had never before seen one person owning another person, one person treating another one like that. Before he knows what to do, there's another person, this time a beautiful young black woman brought up onto the platform. She's paraded around in front of everyone. The crowd starts to jostle around. Obscene comments begin to be made. The bidding begins. It goes higher and higher. In between the bids, different men are saying things about what they will do with her if they own her. He cannot believe the vile things he is hearing. He senses evil around him. He struggles with what to do as he hears these two bidding and popping off. Finally, it appears that one man has outbid the other. And the auctioneer says, going once, going twice. But the young miner's righteous anger and indignation wells up, and all of a sudden he yells out twice the amount that the last man had bid. The crowd turns to see who would pay so much for a black woman and they see the miner scuffed up boots pants jeans a dirty shirt and then they all begin to laugh surely this is a joke but the auctioneer waves the young man over to see if he is serious he pulls out a bag pours it onto the table gold he has the money the auctioneer leads the young woman over to the steps and hands her off to the miner. He takes her by the hand and begins to walk away from the still riotous crowd. She does not know where they're going. He seems to be looking for something. He's walking up one street and down the other. Finally, he comes to a store. He stops. She cannot read what's on the window, but he says, we're going inside and leads her into the premises he asks her to stay by the door he goes on back into the store where there's an elderly man seated at a desk they have a conversation she cannot hear what they're saying before long the older man shaking his head but then the miner pulls out his bag and pours some more gold on the desk the elderly man gets up and 
goes behind the wall. He's gone for a while. Then he comes back with some papers. He brings the papers to the desk, puts them down. The miner leans over the desk and signs, turns the papers back to the older man. He signs them as well. They're folded and put in an envelope. The miner takes them and comes back to the young woman. He says, these are for you. These are your emancipation papers. She won't even look at him. He tries again. These are for you. These are papers that legally set you free. You can now go where you want, do what you want. You are a free person. She looks at the miner, looks back at the papers, looks at him again, and says, I don't understand. You just bought me, and now you're setting me free? He says, yes, you are free. I bought you so I could set you free. She begins to weep and drops to her knees, sobbing. He can hear her saying, I'm free, I'm free. And then she looks up to him and says, all I want to do is serve you because you bought me, you claimed me, you chose me to set me free. Do you recognize the claim that Peter and John in this book of Acts are making? That God has come to us in Christ to set us free so that we might sense and experience all that God intends for us, that through Christ we are told we are set free from sin and death and life and death and life beyond death. We have proclaimed here this morning, we are not alone. God is with us. Do you recognize the power available to you? Do you recognize the divine love that is offered to you? The authorities in our story do not recognize the resurrection. They do not recognize the power and the love that is available. Do they, do not, they do not see that God is at work. They do not believe. Now most of us here, maybe all of us here believe. But so many of us have lost that fire, that enthusiasm that we hear about in these early disciples as they're ready to face any obstacle to proclaim the grace and love of God come alive through Christ Jesus our Lord. Reminded me of an old story. Maybe you've heard this one. There's a pastor. He's been at a church for a while. And then he notices one day a fellow who had been in the front row every week he had been there is absent one week. And then gone again week two, then gone a week three, four, six weeks. The pastor finally decides he needs to go see what has happened. He goes to the man's home, knocks on the door. The man is there and answers the door and invites him in. They begin a conversation, kind of catching up, see what's going on, exchange some pleasantries, and then as conversations often do, it falls into a lull. They're sitting right in front of a roaring fire. They both just sort of stare at the fire for a while in silence. And then the pastor stands 
takes the tongs, reaches in, grabs one ember, pulls it out. You can see the flames on the ember. He sets it down on the stone hearth, puts the tongs back, and sits down. Before long, the flames are gone. The two men sit in silence as the ember cools and the color disappears. After a while, the pastor stands back up, gets the tongs, picks up the ember, and drops it back into the fire. Sparks fly, then flames from the ember. The color is back. He smiles at the man and smiles at the fire, then stands up to take his leave. His host follows him to the door, thanks him for coming, and then says, thank you for your fiery witness. I will be back in my place among you on Sunday. We need each other. We need each other. These early disciples give us a model or a paradigm for what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. They devote themselves not only to God through Christ, but to one another. They eat together, they pray together, they encourage each other, they support each other, they meet together regularly so that they can keep the fire alive and keep their witness to the community growing and vital. This passage begins by telling us the two that were separated. As soon as they were released from prison, they go back and find their friends and gather with the community. And then it ends with that last verse we read, verse 32, that reminds us of this. Luke records it like this. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. They were committed to each other. They were committed in presence, in prayers, in gifts, in service, in witness. They were devoted to each other and to God through Christ. They were going to meet together. They were going to pray together. They were going to temple together. They were a tight-knit community because what they had experienced in terms of faith, and they put all their loyalty and commitment into that community. And they experienced the power and presence of God working in their lives day in and day out. But not only in their lives, this book tells us that others were drawn to them. In fact, thousands began to join this Jesus movement declaring that God has raised Christ from the dead. What is your witness? Who do you know that needs a church home? Who might you invite to come and be a part of this family of faith? You know we are surrounded by people who are lonely and alone. People have felt set aside or cast out. People that are hurting, that need some help and need some hope, who maybe could use a word of encouragement. Don't you know someone like that? Haven't you known that time yourself where a word from another meant everything to you to help you get through a difficult time who is it in your life 
a co-worker, a neighbor, an acquaintance that you might reach out to with the love of God and invite them back in or maybe invite them in for the first time to be a part of a family of faith. I assure you that if you bring them here, they will meet with a warm welcome. They will experience the hospitality of Christ They will have opportunities that they would have never known before without your invitation. Will you let God use you? Will you allow this power of the Holy Spirit that this book of Acts tells us about over and over to come into your life and to work through you so that others might truly come to know the love of God alive in their lives? One fellow put it like this, I'm just a nobody telling anybody about somebody who loves everybody. That could be you sharing the love you've come to know, sharing the empowerment or whatever the positive experience is, putting that in your own words and to your acts as an everyday Christian. You know, it's so much more than just gathering here on Sunday. Oh, that's an important part of it. But how we live day to day is so very important. This book of Acts tells us of one action after another that these early disciples take in their everyday lives that touch not only those in Jerusalem, but you know that word begins to grow and expand and spreads across the Mediterranean and finally around the globe. The power of God working through everyday Christians, ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Will you join that action, those acts of everyday Christians? Perhaps we could go forth this morning ready to share this good news because it's burning in our hearts. And then as we go forth, spilling from our lips, may it be so in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.